What's up, everybody? I just wanted to drop in real quick before the show gets started and give you all a disclaimer. This episode is going to be primarily about death. A lot of uh, strange news stories recently about, you know, bodies being found and uh, ways people have died. And I wanted to let everyone know these stories will include, you know, stories about people, uh, stories about pets, and also uh, children as well. So we just wanted to give you a fair warning. It may be a very uh, triggering episode. We do talk about some sensitive subjects. But again, you know, we take this stuff seriously when we need to, and we just want to uh, give you a preface and let you know we're not going to be poking fun at things. We're not going to be, you know, just laughing at their expense. But uh, definitely we'll have some subject matter that you may find a bit offensive or may definitely trigger you. So fair warning. But without further ado, guys, enjoy the show. And uh, here we go. Coming at you from the 37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 106 of Pixelated Paranormal, a special episode where we have one theme, one topic, and rightfully so, I think we'll call it These in the Night Part 3. <laughs> <laughs> it was Yes, it was supposed to be. It's coming. Uh, that is definitely in the pipeline, but uh, there's too much weird shit in the news right now, and apparently everybody has a morbid fascination with dead things. So this episode is going to be about dead, dead things, dead people. <laughs> and we're going to title it, You Oughtn't Play With Dead Things. And, <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's really great because my story ties into that so well. Oh, I know, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's just too many little snippets because I don't know how you guys do it, but normally I just have like a running uh, Google Doc and I just put in different links mm -hmm. with titles of, you know, roughly what they're about. And I'm like, I've got a lot of stories about people fucking with dead people. Yeah. <laughs> so we ought to just do it, man. And then I'm also still in the spirit. Uh, we just watched two movies uh, in uh, on Sunday in Augusta. One was called Phantasm. If you haven't seen it, you've probably seen it. If not, you should. The 40th anniversary of Phantasm. And then another great 1970s horror flick called Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. And uh, yeah, it's got me in the mood. Things are flowing. And then I don't want to talk about you guys it. had stories. <laughs> right. You guys had the stories too, so we're just going to roll with it, man. I, I can't wait. This is some, it's pretty fucked up stuff. Yeah, there's some weird stuff going on, so I say we just get after it. Preston, do you want to tell your new story first, or you want to just layer it in here somewhere like a good little condiment? In the, the, the <laughs> I mean, sandwich. no, I mean, I'll go ahead and go first, uh, because mine's okay. intense. So, um, I was told this story, and um, basically uh, about a month ago, um, a police officer and his partner uh, were called out uh, for like kind of like a missing person. Um, there was a guy that was uh, a registered sex offender and he was on parole and uh, he didn't show up. And so they were looking for him and somebody had spotted his truck 
at uh, the uh, Dylan's at Lincoln and Oliver or some somewhere on Lincoln. And uh, so they pulled into the parking lot and uh, got the people out of the truck. And the truck uh, had one of those old like wind cruisers behind it, like, you know, the silver bullets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was the daughter of the guy that was in question and her boyfriend. And she was a little meth heady. And uh, they uh, were questioning like, hey, why are you in your dad's truck? Where's your dad at? Uh, we needed to question him because he missed like, you know, his uh, parole meeting and blah, blah, blah. And uh, um, she was like, oh, no, you know, he's he's back at the trailer park in the house. And it's called Airstreams. So, huh? Airstreams. <laughs> Airstreams, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the one guy, the one officer stayed with the the, the couple while the other one went to go and, you know, actually verify that the the dad was where he was at. And they got to the trailer park and everybody there was like, dude, we haven't seen this guy in months. And um, the office manager, like, let him in the house and the house was kind of like in disarray. So the the guy's pissed. He's like, man, I came all the way out here for nothing. Like, this girl lied to me. And so when he got back to the Dillons, um, it finally dawned on him that I bet that motherfucker is in the windstream. Like he's got to be in that trailer. So he, (laughs) he'd asked her like, listen, is your dad, is your dad there? And she started getting really nervous and started like freaking out. She's like, no, no, no. Uh, and he's like, listen, two things can happen. One, you can give me permission to go and I can take care of this. Now I can go into the trailer or you keep dicking me around. I'm gonna go get a warrant from a judge within the hour, and then you're gonna be in a more, a lot more trouble than what you would if you just let me go there now. And so she looked really defeated, and she was like, "Just, he, just go look in the trailer." So he opens up the, the trailer door, and um, there's blood all over the walls, blood all over the floor, huh. and uh, on the back of the. You know, the back of the trailer where the bed was, uh, there was, in fact, a dead body. And it looked like the, the victim had been stabbed uh, several times. And uh, there was a tripod with, like, a, a, a phone on it where somebody had made a videotape. So mm-hmm. he played the videotape. What kind of phone? I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't ask that Razor. detail. What do you want the phone to be, Stephen? An iPhone 10? Because that's got, like, HD on it. Well, it's got iMovie, so it's going to be a little bit of a better production value. Fuck, let's do it. Let's do an iPhone, all right? So he's flipping through the iPhone. <laughs> he finds the movie, and um, in fact, he uh, they filmed the daughter fucking the dad, and in the middle of intercourse, she's stabbing him with two kitchen knives, and then the phone falls over, and you can hear the dad struggling for life, and at this point, the daughter admitted to chopping off his penis, putting it in his mouth, then getting back on top and face fucking him. It's it's crazy. And and think about that like when when the phone flipped over and they did that whole thing like you could hear him gargling and like yeah. choking on his own dick. Uh like so the time she stabbed him, that didn't kill him. So she basically like was probably just slashing. To where yeah. he wasn't bleeding like crazy profusely, uh, so like, isn't that crazy? So, who knows what who knows what he died of? But go ahead and finish the rest of the story because I got something to say earlier when you were telling me this. Uh, th- that, 
that—that's it. She she admitted to. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying because you were like, well, how come we didn't hear about this? Because I mean, oh, Wichita. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, my God, like this should have been in the news. Like this is horrific. And uh, no, she mm-hmm. she, uh, she admitted to the murder. That's it's a done deal. Public yeah. doesn't need to know. Yeah. So imagine how many cases like that are around around the U.S. Uh, I mean, I've been like on a huge Criminal Minds kick. And like watching that stuff, I <laughs> right? really like that show. Some of it can be kind of cheesy sometimes, but but like it's just so good because I I like profiling so much. And I think like I think that even before that show became a thing, and then now we have Mindhunters, which I can't wait for season two. Um, you have right. you have like people have been profiling since forever. <laughs> Everybody people watches and judges yeah. people and stuff, and like learns about them and like. I don't know, just some of that stuff. Like, but it's just so crazy to see like something that crazy, just fucking crickets in in Wichita and surrounding areas. Yeah, news. you know what I'm saying. Like, but he's right. Yeah, go and check in the trailer. I did it. Oh. Take me away. Oh. Then, yeah, they're like, okay. Like, they probably look at it as like, hey, let's save an embarrassment because that would be a, a major article. I mean, that'd be like a tabloid article. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. No one would believe it. And then right. look it up. Like, holy shit, that really happened. Fucking Wichita. Go, yeah. go figure. Maybe it's maybe it's better to not sensationalize it. Mm-hmm. You know, via the media. Yeah. Because I mean, that's the thing. Like, unfortunately, where we're at, everybody's so desensitized because of everything we get on Netflix and all our media. Like, the first thing you're gonna want to see is the pictures yeah. and the gory details. Exactly. You know? Like that's what a lot of people look for. I'm guilty of it. Like, I, I just want I want to know how fucked up the story is. Right. Not that I want it to be fucked up, but like it, it just it blows me away that it does not blow me away anymore. Just the evils that people are capable of. Yep. Oh, man. So, so the dad essentially then was the uh, the uh, child abuser. Then, yeah, yeah. Wowzers. I wonder if he abused her. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That'd be I mean that'd be an even deeper rabbit hole to go down, but. Like it literally sounds like something like out of a horror movie and uh, uh, yeah. an origin story on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, Eli, that'd be the, Eli that'd... Roth presents A Murder in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that, that is some shit. Kind of a hostile yeah. flavor. Yeah, that'd be the Eli hostile Roth penis. Fucking hell. Hostile, yeah. Hostile trailer. Jeez. Well, and that is why, guys, I put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode during the edit, because that just kind of set the tone. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Not every story will be this disgusting or this, you know. uh, I got a good story about a trailer. (laughs) Go for it, man. Uh, I don't remember if I've told some story on this story on the show before, but um, I lived in a trailer once before, and I was, there was this lady that was next to us, and like across like catty corner across the way from our trailer and she's real nice she rolled one of the mobility mm-hmm. carts around to walk her dogs and we live in a time where people like to laugh at people that do that but i think that's a fantastic thing you know they're mm-hmm. actually getting out of their house and doing something mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing laughing them through a window <laughs> the fuck? Oh, yeah and the fact <laughs> that she's she's walking her dog like that just shows you that, that she no cares how bad. about the dog Right, yeah. she's still putting something else, you know, ahead of her own well-being. Yeah. So yeah, good, good for yeah. her. And she was real. She was real sweet. She never, you know, she was always waving at us and stuff like that. And then, you know, t- and the way you say was, yeah, that's foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like we, you know, we we didn't really see her much anymore. I didn't think anything of it, you know. And then um, finally one day, I come home from work, 
and we had this bulldog and he was just like just full of piss and vinegar and like he just tore everything up it was terrible but the fucker ate a fucking lock yeah he ate a lock he chewed through a paddle yeah lock. i forgot to tell you that preston he chewed through metal oh. like it was it, that and the fucking the the candles we bought him it was crazy yeah. the dog was just crazy Goddamn yeah, right that's what bulldogs do buddy yeah so uh, I was out here letting him take a shit and, you know, I was walking him around and I look over and and this happened after I went in the house. This van, these vans pulled up and there was like a black one or a gray one and a yellow one. And it had like hazardous waste uh, material signs on the sides of it and stuff. And I didn't think anything. I was like, OK, whatever. Maybe they're picking up shit. You know, who knows? Because, you know, they'll sometimes go around and pick up like um uh, porta potty things, drainage stuff. You know, you never know what the hell they're gonna what they're doing. Yeah. So I yeah. go inside, come back out an hour, hour and a half later. Let him go to the bathroom again. I look over, and these guys are like walking out of the walking out of the trailer with these big um, bags and like throw them in the back of their their trucks. And then there's like <laughs> new guys puking yeah. his guts out. Yeah. yeah there's like <laughs> all these like. Um, pieces of carpet that are out, out there and they're like putting them in these bags. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I wait a couple more hours. They're, they're finally out. They're like outside, like smoking, like smoking cigarettes. They're, they're, they're all suited <laughs> down. You know, they're not walking around like Jesse on Breaking Bad. They, they're all, they're like suited, suited down and they're sitting there smoking. And I was like, I pretended like I was walking Angus and I was like, I was like, Hey guys. And they're like, Hey, I was like, yeah, they're like just some fucking greasy dudes. I was like, uh, so what's going on here? Uh, and he's like, well, uh, we had to clean up. We had, we had to clean up some stuff. And it's like, oh, hazardous waste, huh? I was like, everything okay in there? He's like, well, I mean, I guess. And I was like, oh, I was like, so so I'm taking that, you know, that 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 lady passed away, huh? And, and then because I'm kind of like assuming, like, hey, like she passed away, yeah, body starts deteriorating, like it's a common thing. And um, I was like, hey, like, I mean, this, I'm assuming the lady passed away. He's like, she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, that really sucks. I was like, but she had really two cool dogs. Like, I wonder if like the family came and got them. Hope they're okay. Hope that hope that they didn't pass away. And then the guy like chuckled, and I was like, what? And then he's like, they're okay. They were fed. And he looked up at me, and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and then I said that and then I'm like and like Angus is like trying to walk and I'm like there's a dog right there. It's so awkward and then I'm like I'm like oh that's that's crazy and then and then uh he was just like yep the family came and got the dogs and now we're cleaning up we're, we're cleaning up the rest. I'm like this is so awkward. <laughs> like but it's so yeah. it's so crazy to think that like I mean them they're, they're beasts. Dogs are beasts. Yeah. That's their natural yeah. instinct is to survive and they were probably in there for a long time and they were like we don't have anything else to eat yeah i mean at some point they're scavengers yeah, you know so. fucking bizarre yeah it's bizarre it's so crazy but the thing is like i don't think those dogs survived in the end because once an animal a domesticated animal tastes human flesh i believe they have to be put down yeah especially yeah. with cats like once a cat gets human flesh like they go fucking mad feral and you gotta put those bitches under Mm-hmm. Well, like I'm saying, like I don't know. They might have. I don't. They said the family came and got them, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. what and they may means. not have. Yeah, like, you know, they may have. Yeah, who knows? But I was just like, that story is just fucking too nuts. <laughs> like it's too crazy. Yeah, I remember you told me that story. Uh, like the night it happened or the day after it happened, mm-hmm. and it's just so. I don't. You don't even know what to think. That's so fucking yeah. crazy, dude. Somebody you see like 
every day for you know a couple years just to mm. see that's how they that's how they got it. That's why it's important to check up on people that don't really have much social. You know, like if you have a family yeah. member out there that doesn't have much social interaction with a lot of people, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's important. It's kind of hard though, man, because like I think about my aunt and my uncle, and you know, they don't really get much social interaction, so to speak. So, especially especially my aunt, you know, she's kind of high functioning MR and like she doesn't have really good communication skills either external or internally. So it's hard for anybody to get a hold of her anyway. And it's just like, I, we all worry about that. And she also has a lot of cats. And oh, like, I'm thinking yeah. like some Selena Kyle shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to come back as cat woman. Fuck that shit. Yeah, I just, if, <laughs> if, if I was any more, if I was any more disgusting, I would find a sound bite of cats eating like that wet fancy. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> meow mix, meow mix, we deliver. <laughs> oh, gross. Meow mix, meow mix. Have you, how, how long has it been since you guys watched? I think I might have talked about this Batman Returns. Oh, shit. I mean, probably a long time, years, right? Nah, maybe like eight oh, months really? ago when they were all on Netflix. Okay. Like 20 years ago for me. But like, <laughs> Isn't it so impressive when you re- when you rewatched it like before that like I hadn't watched this movie where I'm getting I hadn't watched this movie since I was a kid or younger and I remember it like being like darker and I remember like the penguin being so creepy and shit and then like I remember like key scenes like him eating that fish and the way uh-huh. Tim Burton made the fish sound in Danny DeVito's mouth and like looked like the guts were coming out yeah, and the fat yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then the other scene was um, the cats gnawing on Michelle Pfeiffer's fingers. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, I was like, oh. And so when you said that fancy piece, that's the fucking first thing I thought about <laughs> was that Selena Kyle shit. Because, dude, it, like, them cats are like, li- they're, first they start licking her, like, because, you know, cats licking their wounds. And then they just start, like, uh-huh. gnawing at her fucking hands and her arms and her fingers. I was like, ooh. It's it's crazy, and then the amount of sexual perversion from Danny DeVito in that movie is fucking incredible. He is yeah. such a creep. I like <laughs> yeah, to give you the flipper. <laughs> yeah, I like it's crazy. I'm like, oh, and then it was so it was so awkward because I haven't seen that movie in forever, and someone I'm no longer with wanted to watch that with their parents, and we're like, oh, we watched it as a kid. It was cool. Like everybody liked it, and we were watching. We we're like, holy shit. Right. The movie is so perverted. It's insane. That just goes to show how great of a director Spielberg was, is to pull that over on you. You had no idea. No, it's Burton. Burton. Bur- oh, what? I said Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah, <laughs> Could you imagine Spielberg doing nerd. a Batman movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh... It's Indiana Batman. What a maroon. That's fucking great. Mm-hmm. But no, like Tim Burton, Tim Burton stuff like. Uh, you know, every once in a while he'll pull out some stuff like you could definitely tell the Tim Burton movie because of the style of like all the dark emo shit. But mm-hmm. then like every once in a while he'll do some some stuff that'll like surprise you because Beetlejuice had a lot of perversion in it, too. And that movie yeah. snuck by with a with a PG fucking rating. Do you know that movie's PG? Yep. That's crazy. He says fucking <laughs> like, that's crazy. Is shit. Really? Yeah. Nice fucking model. Uh-uh. He grabs his nuts. You remember that oh, when he yeah. knocks over that yeah. tree? I guess I haven't watched it like on regular on you know premium cable. I've always Bruh, watched, I've it. watched that. But look, I've Ghostbusters movie so many times. Ghostbusters was months. PG, and uh, fucking Dan Aykroyd got a like uh, a ghost blowjob in that movie. So 
That's true. Because they, they, yeah. they, I watched a, a YouTube video about that, and they talked about, like, they mentioned that, too. They were like, that time, that era was really weird on ratings. They were, like, trying to see how much they could get away with because you would encourage more ticket sales. And it was yeah. like, and then once they finally, they caught wind of what they were doing, they were like, nah. Yeah, can't the do this. Yep. Or, yep. yeah. Anyway, this is movie talk. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, your first two stories set the tone because that's all this is going to be about is dead people. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. Those should have been the final stories. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I think I can top it. So we'll start things off kind of slow, guys. In recent news today, I just read that in Noel, Missouri, a sleepy little town about 80 miles outside of Springfield, right? This bicyclist is out riding down this highway between Ginger Blue and Noel. And they're riding their bike, going down this really cool, you know, curvy, twisty road. And they happen to look over as they're coming over this hill. And they see what looks like, you know, a piece of luggage, big-ass suitcase on the side of the road. And they're thinking, shit, somebody must have lost a suitcase, you know, going down this highway off the side of their car. It must have fell off, or maybe they dropped it or something like that. But I wonder what's inside of it. Of course, they so, didn't give a shit about where it came from. They wanted to get the loot. <laughs> And your greasy <laughs> ass openness, and now let's see what you're going to get. What's behind yeah, door number one, Bob? <laughs> right. <laughs> so they they get off their bike, and they make their way up over to the suitcase. And the suitcase is busted open. The zipper has split. And spilling out of it is the decomposing corpse of a woman who's either in her 20s or 30s. That's insane. Like, okay, yeah. it's like for so, real, though. Like, I just made that joke. And you guys both know me. I'd stop mm-hmm. on the side of the road and check what the fuck's in there. I want, I want, I want to see. Well, yeah, you do. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and like, and I've, I have found stuff before that has been lost, uh-huh. and I've returned it. If it has identification in it, I'm gonna find that person. Mm-hmm. If it don't, I might, I might keep a little something. Uh, well, shit. I mean, well, if you found it, yeah, then... and there's no identifying I thing. I mean, shit. Come on, uh, possessions. <laughs> the rules of the road, yeah. people. So like, but if I open this, like, I, if I open that shit and I found this. Dude, that would be, I mean, I think it'd be so creepy, but at the same time, like, it'd be like, man, this is such a good story, and no one's ever going to believe it. <laughs> like, no one's ever, so <laughs> like, no <one> <laughs> ever going to fucking believe it. But you've got a good point, you know? What would you do? Would you take a picture and text us? Holy shit, guys, look what I just found. Uh, okay, I don't know. I would, I would feel, like, real paranoid, because I watch all these true crime shits, and I feel like if I would have took yeah. a picture of that, then I would have been associated or yeah. you know false confession <laughs> confession or some shit <laughs> right. so paranoid i mean you at least got to take you you at least have to call the police first that way your call log shows you called the police first and you didn't first call us or send us a text message image of it you know yeah but we're we're in that time uh, you know of, of social media that yeah um better likely than not somebody would take a selfie with it yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, post it to bodies of instagram well, the sheriff Wait, is that a real thing? Know. I don't I fucking hope not. I, I remember there for a while there was yeah. that there was that thing where people taking selfies at funerals. It was a real popular thing. Oh really? Yeah. I can't imagine. Like, that's so fucking way. disrespectful. Yeah, no way. No thanks. Well, the sheriff in Missouri in this county says they have no idea what exactly happened, but it appears now, rather than somebody losing their luggage off the top of their car, somebody probably just chucked it out the side of the window as they were driving down the highway after they may have murdered this woman. Well, you said it was just decomposed, like... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we don't know how long she was either A, in the suitcase, or B, how long was that suitcase on the side of the road? Uh, yeah, yeah, true. yeah. So, I mean, good, good, good point. Was the person killed and stored in a closet for God knows how long, or, you know, in a shed, and they finally just threw the corpse into the uh, suitcase, or was it laying on the side of the road for a little while? Yeah. Yep. Or was so he just, we'll was he just cruising, cruising the highways? I mean, that's very popular for serial killers to be mobile. Yeah, Go from sure. place to place. Yeah, put it in the trunk and drive for 300 miles or so before they dump it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they haven't especially identified the if woman. it's like a mixture of a um, couple bodies in this state, a couple bodies in this state, body here, body there, and they don't realize they're connected because they're so yeah. far apart. You know what I mean? Like, there's lots of drifters that just, it's crazy. Very true. Very, very true. I don't know. They haven't identified her as of yet, so we'll have to follow up on that story and kind of see where it goes from there. But God, I can't even imagine, dude. Well, this one's a little closer to home for some of our listeners. The story actually takes place back in January of this year, but the details have kind of just now leaked out. So we'll go back in time. Council Bluff up in Iowa. Back in 2009, this 25-year-old kid named Larry... Eli Mario Mancava got in a fight with his parents one night around uh, November 28th, stormed out of the house, and he was never seen again. And so the parents called the cops after a couple hours saying, hey, listen, we got in a fight with our son. He left. He was really upset. We have no idea where he went, but, you know, we're just worried. In, in his state of mind, we don't know what happened. He may have left. You know, he might be out drinking, partying. We don't know, but, you know, we just want to report that he's missing. And, you know, the old story, hours turn into days, days to weeks, and the dude had disappeared. Nobody ever saw him again. So sad. Yeah. Um, So he was actually a store clerk at a little market called the No Frills Supermarket. (laughs) That's such a great name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you get bread, milk, and maybe ice. (laughs) So his parents reported that he was missing and they hadn't seen him for a while, and this dude disappears. Over a decade later, a crew is actually in this now, you know, abandoned uh, market, and they're cleaning stuff up. They're hauling out the shelves. They're hauling out cash registers. They're getting rid of stuff. And they get over to the big cooler that's inside the, you know, the supermarket. And they go to remove, you know, the walls and whatnot. And behind this cooler, trapped between the wall, is the body, now completely, you know, 10 years decomposed, of the missing guy. So they assume what happened was he was off work that day. He went in there through the back door or what have you, and he snuck up on top of the cooler because apparently that was something that was common for a lot of the employees to do during their lunches or their breaks. You know, scale up the side of this cooler and just lay up there and take a nap or just relax. It's probably cold you know, through the metal. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what they're assuming happened was he got in a fight with his parents and he ran in there and just a way to kind of hide from everybody and to cool off for a little while, poor pun, uh, he climbed on top of the cooler. They think he must have slipped and fallen back there and gotten trapped because the space is only 18 inches from the back of the cooler to the wall. But uh, Bob's your uncle. They said that they did the autopsy and... They could tell that there was no malicious intent. There was no severe trauma. It wasn't like a murder. They think he actually just, uh, in a state of mind, he slipped and fell back there and got pinned and maybe knocked himself out. But, yeah, he uh, he was found. He said, because uh, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, screaming for help. But you know that if uh, 
Murillo had fallen sideways and gotten wedged in, he likely wouldn't have been able to scream for help, especially over the noise of the coolers. Because mm-hmm. his, if he slipped sideways, his face would have been down where the main generators would be. And then things are constantly running all the time. Oh, wow. Just things like, and he's like, ah, and like, you, wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to hear it. So, I mean, like, this is just a tragedy, tragic story. Yeah. I mean, like, dude. he's having a fight with his parents. His parents are pissed. He's pissed. He goes off to cool off, come back. Everything's good. Uh, he never came home. They never got that closure. He didn't get that closure. That's so fucking sad. But, yeah. like, what's crazy, though, is I'd like to know the time from the time that accident happened to the time the store closed. Because mm-hmm. even within, like, the first couple months, you would start to smell something, you would think. So, which made, that's which, which yeah. this business had to be, like, extremely greasy. Like, extremely, like, just <laughs> fucking a hole-in-the-wall superstore. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't so, know, man. I mean, that, and I, again, I the mean, cool, the coolness from the machine, like, that right? wouldn't have put off that much cool. Like, it, I mean, you stood next to an ice machine before. You're not, like, fucking shivering. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, a little small town like that, a little small town, you know, convenience store, they may have just chalked it up to, oh, I don't know what that smell is. It's sewage. We called them out last week. They're coming out again today. You know, we don't know what that smell is. But yeah. <sighs> I don't know. And, I mean, I, I would argue that maybe the generator behind the cooler might put off a lot of heat, you know, depending how, how much energy is being pumped into this yeah. cooler and how big this industrial cooler was. But it's such a terrible, terrible way to go. It's crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine, dude. That's a real fucking bummer. I hope that it was kind of a case of him, you know, maybe hitting his head and he didn't have to sit there and suffer and, you know, suffocate knowing that uh, he's just in this fucking predicament he'll never get out of. It's the fucking worst, dude. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Shit. Have you guys ever gotten stuck somewhere that you're just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I can't get out, I can't get out? No, but my mm-hmm. brother, when he was a little kid... um, Climbed into uh, the uh, uh, dryer, uh-huh. and uh, it was uh, one of those ones that where like you, it was you had to leave it o- the door open because if you shut the dryer door, it would do that thing where it would like fluff the clothes for you until you opened the door again, and the oh, door got stuck yeah. behind him, and mom was like freaking out because she's like, I can't find Jason, and then she went downstairs and like in the basement, and there was like this thud. And she opened up the dryer door, and there was like Jason, like, erba derba derba. So that's, you know, that explains a lot. It's crazy because I I, I put my sister in the washer and dryer. Fuck, bro. I I fucking full cycled that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Did you really? No. Oh, I was like, (laughs) holy crap, Steve. No, No, I put, I got the washer. I put her in the dryer several times. It's hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> oh man okay so let me just share a story you guys will share it i put my sister in a dryer ama <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah how she cleaned up the body <laughs> okay so i used to work with this older lady uh years ago um probably back in like 2008 and we were talking about animals and losing pets because someone had just lost a cat and we're talking about, you know, how much it sucks when you lose an animal and how they become part of your family and so on and so on. And she's sitting to me and she's uh, sorry, we, we were sitting there in the break room and she's like, yeah, I, I'll never forget the time I killed my cat. And I'm like, what? Oh, she she's like, yeah, I, I had this cat for like 10 years. 
yeah, he, I had this cat for 10 years. He's my best friend, you know, thick and thin through my divorce, everything. This guy met me at the door every night when I got home from work, and he saw me off to work every morning I left for work. Slept with me, sat by me. She's like, he was my best friend. And she said, but he had a really nasty habit of getting in the dryer. Whenever the dryer would go off, I'd open the door, let the heat out. And if I would forget, he'd hop into the dryer and he'd crawl underneath the warm clothes to sleep because his cats prefer to be in right around an 80 degree temperature. That's why they always sit in your windows or lay in the sunspots, you know. And she said, uh, I had completely forgot that I left the door open. I went downstairs. I thought, oh, crap, they're all going to be wrinkly now. So she slammed the door, turned it on 30 minutes, hit high heat. Yep. And she said she came back down about 40 minutes later after the bell went off, opened up, and it was just full of nothing but, uh, uh, this is gross, guys. Cover yours if you want. Uh, Cat shit and blood. Hey, you know, I got uh, got a story, personal story that can match that. Jesus. (laughs) So, uh, when we were younger, uh, the, the front door, the screen door, um, dad could never get it adjusted, uh, to where like, you know how it's got like that little like hydraulic little mechanism. So like it shuts really, really slow. Yeah. Well, he, he bought a door and it was like basically like defective because no matter how, how you adjusted that, like it always just slammed. And we always, mom was always like, guys, be careful. And, uh, we had this little, uh, kitty cat, little kitten. And, uh, I ran outside and mom was like yelling at me about something. And she opened up that screen door and was yelling at me to come back in, and she let the screen door close, and the brand new baby kitty cat got decapitated, oh. and she couldn't oh. bring herself to open up the door to take care of the problem. So we all had to go to the neighbors, and she had to call dad home from work and make dad oh do my. it. Oh and she's like, gosh. I told you, you son of a bitch, to fix that door. Now look what happened. Ah. Oh, no. That's fucking yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, your brother's in the dryer just fucking going. But up, but That's crazy, dude. Oh, my God. That sucks, man. Holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. We should get out of the dead cat, <laughs> dead pet territory here and get back to dead humans. Um, yeah, that kind of that kind of sums up the story of that guy. He was found 10 years later stuck behind a freezer. Okay, so this is the main crux of what made me want to talk about this story. You guys have probably read about it. Listeners, you've probably heard about it. But we're going to get into this big headline story of the FBI basically uh, shutting down a human body part trafficking ring in Arizona. Yeah. You guys know the story? Yeah, this shit's crazy. All right. So, yeah, this takes place starting back in 2014. 2014, the FBI raided a biological resource center, a BRC for short, as part of a human body trafficking investigation. And they said that while they walked into this facility, it was like walking into a horror story. They said it was unbelievable. Eli Roth presents. Yeah. Oh, gross. So they said that essentially this facility was set up to where you could send in your loved one's deceased bodies and they'd be donated to science. So we're talking, you know, cancer research, leukemia research, uh, stem cell gathering, cell uh, research, all this kind of stuff. 
And then once they were done, or once they harvested the parts they needed, they would cremate the remains and ship them back to you. <clears throat> well, this happened, like I said, five years ago. They're finally releasing one of the FBI agent's statements, and this is just absolutely appalling at what he said he found. So one agent says, during the investigation and during their initial walkthrough, they found a cooler, first of all, a cooler filled full of male genitalia. So if you can imagine you guys coming over, and I usually have a cooler full of beer and drinks and whatnot on the back patio, open that bad boy up, Preston, on the next deck of Palooza. Straight peen. And it's just, just and full And it's filled full of dead dicks. <laughs> yeah, and that should be emphasized. I can't imagine they were healthy, viable dicks. It had to have been just some real Flaccid, nasty. tribbly, chopped up dicks. Oh, Damn, man, homie. Like a bunch of sausage casings. <laughs> they also found buckets of heads, buckets of arms and legs, and other containers and buckets full of infected rotting heads. Nuts. And then possibly one of the worst things that tops a cooler full of dicks, a cock fuck, a cooler full of cocks, a human male torso was adhered to the wall with the head decapitated and a smaller young woman's head sewn back on like a modern-day Frankenstein. Fucking nuts, Who dude. in their fucking Did the right fucking mind? Jeepers Creeper guy own this place? Yeah. <laughs> it could have been. Oh, sick. I can't even fucking imagine, dude. They said they also discovered in these walk-in freezers pools of human blood and other bodily fluids frozen to the bottom, Puddles of other unknown substances could be found as well, in addition to several bodies in various stages of decomp with no identification tags. And they also found sawzalls, band saws, and buzz saws, items that are not used in normal, you know, proper body part harvesting scenarios. Do you have any idea who, who did this? Um, I... I, th I think so, yeah. It doesn't come out into here and say this directly, but yeah, it's the people that are working at the facility, I'm assuming. Oh, that's just Maybe crazy. not everybody, but they're going through, I mean, they went through tons of interviews and basically crossing people off the list of people who probably knew about this. So it doesn't really say, because of course you're only getting one testimony here, it doesn't really say if like they walked in and the place is just, you know, a butcher, sh like, if it was fucking Eli Roth, Jesus, let's just name the episode Eli Roth Presents. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> It doesn't say if it was just like, you know, a, a butcher shop or like if it was, you know, a pretty clean storefront, that kind of stuff. It doesn't really say. So I don't know. I mean, obviously people working there had to have been, you know, pegged in the sting, but. Yeah. I don't fucking know, man. So crazy. That's that's the kind of story where I'm like, <clears throat> uh, you guys got any pics? Got any pics of that? <laughs> so uh, you got me in <laughs> <laughs> you got any of them cock cooler picks? That's some straight up dark web shit. But yeah, apparently this is pretty common for the uh, the black market. For you just to need whatever you need. Maybe you're trying to build a fucking like human centipede and you just need that one arm. You know, and then you're finished and you can just call up these people and get it. Who knows? What do you, And what do you use a cooler full of cocks for? Demented shit, man. Well, after you dry them out, you, you know... Turn them into powder, and you put that into tea, and you have yourself a Chinese cock tea, and that gives you like, uh, you know, it's like it's like tea Viagra. 
Yeah, strong like bull. Yeah. Oh man, and then you can make a little coin purse, I guess, out of the the peen and ball sack. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I should go back and re-record the disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, well, Steve, speaking of uh, weird shit. That's the only segue I'll give you. Why don't you get into your story? Here? Weird shit coming right to you. So, what's in your freezer right now, Preston? If you went to open your uh, freezer, what what would be in it? The uh, the the you know the freeze pops that the kids like during the summertime. Uh, some, you eat them too. I eat them too. Uh, <laughs> some uh, mochi ice cream, green tea mochi ice cream. Uh, I don't, I don't know if some fucking nasty microwave burritos and, uh, these, uh, little metal beer bottle things that keep my beer cool. Some childos? Yeah. Chilled dildos. Chilled dildos. All right, Sean, what's in your, what, what would be your key items in your, um, I also have childos in my freezer, some bomb pops, some two and a half year old frozen sunfish. I should still probably attempt to eat. And then uh, some ground turkey. Cool. What about you, Steve? What's in, in your mine freezer? would be some ground beef, some ground turkey, a couple chick, some chicken uh, assortments, some like wings, some, some cutlets, yeah, some <laughs> some wings, some chicken patties, some chicken strips. Uh, but one thing that will never be in any of our freezers for show is, unfortunately, for this person, they had a dead baby in their freezer. So. This is how the story goes down. It says, in St. Louis, Missouri, <clears throat> days after his mother's death, a man in St. Louis made a gruesome discovery when he opened a wrapped box that he says had been in the freezer since he was a kid. Adam Smith had been living in his family's St. Louis apartment while taking care of his mother, who recently died of cancer. Smith says his mother kept a wrapped box inside the freezer for decades, and she had told him to stay away at all costs when he was a kid. After she died, he decided to open the box late Saturday night. Inside, he discovered a dead, frozen baby, which he says left him shocked. There was a pink baby blanket, and when I reached down and touched it, I could feel a foot. I could see the baby's head with hair. Hair was still attached to it. Smooth, Smith said. Police responded to the building early Saturday morning. They called the death suspicious and are now investigating. Smith told officers that as the strangest sounds, he never looked inside the wrapped box because he assumed it was a frozen wedding cake, which is very common in people's... Bo- people's um, oh, yeah. Uh, freezers. I think I think Dave and Steph still have either the groom's cake or the thing. Um, it says, yeah. "Who absolutely keeps their own child in a box this long and never talks about it?" I just have so many thoughts. It's just insane. Smith said. Smith says he's now a distraught, thinking about the possibility that the baby may have been his sister and what his mother may have done. I have to wait for the autopsy to see if that baby ever took a breath, and I cannot help but think she might have done something to it, and I just can't help it. Smith says he remembers his mom once speaking about losing a child at birth. A relative recently told him had told him his mother gave birth to twins, but lost one at birth and gave up the other one for adoption. Wow. Now, wow. Now that his mother has passed away, Smith wonders if he'll ever know the truth. I want some kind of closure, and I feel like I may never get any closure because my mom's gone, he said. That's fucking crazy. That is a crazy story. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, not only discovering that, but then all of a sudden having the epiphany of, flashbacks of every year of your life going backwards knowing it's been in there this entire time for yeah. 30 years of your life and something you've just taken for granted it's it's a it's it's a freezer like you know yep. like that's crazy yeah i mean it's it's common you hear stories from time to time of 
you know, somebody's great aunt, real eclectic, you know, shut in family member dies and you go to their house to clean out everything and you open up the freezer and you find like a box of egos and inside stuff with like, you know, $10,000 mm-hmm. or something like that. So he said curiosity got the best of him and he started just going through the fr- the freezer trying to figure out what it is. And, hey, uh, honestly, like... First off, I think that you definitely need to re- record a new, <laughs> a new disclosure because there's like a lot of triggering shit in this episode, really. Yeah, um, yeah no, I will. And the second thing, like, like, fuck his mom, dude. That's so wrong. Like, he's there taking care of you. You're going through cancer. Terrible thing. And I would, I don't think it's, I don't think it's not bad to say that that, that deceased child is in that is in that freezer is the last thing on her mind so to speak she's you know she's dying of cancer yeah but like, i would think it's the first thing she thinks of every morning and the that, last thing at night that's what that, that's what that, that's what i'm getting at so like she knew that okay. shit and then he's he's you know taking care of her she, she should have just told him or prepared him in. but then again that's a hard thing to do especially when the family friends like oh yeah she gave it up for she lost one baby unfortunately and the other one she gave it for adoption it makes total sense i couldn't imagine yeah. losing losing a twin and then i mean that would probably be something i i bet has happened a lot that yeah. it's it's so much it's so much guilt over your over yourself and then she just so she just told all her friends and family oh yeah i gave it for adoption and they're like oh we understand but really yeah like that's just so sad man that poor, yeah. that poor and dude. I mean, you know, mental illness can play a factor in that. Yeah, for obviously. sure. You, you know, we all know that. Uh, delusions, all that kind of stuff. Who knows? Grief, that's going to affect everybody. Yeah, but. that's what I, that's what I'm almost get. I'm almost thinking it is. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's probably a safe assumption. You know, and yeah, and sure. And I mean, you know, you if, if you're a woman back in those times, 30 years ago, like you still didn't really speak up much about your, uh, your depression, your anxiety and stuff like yeah. that. But I, I, I got to know more about it. Like, was she a single mom? Was there a husband involved? Right. You know? I don't know. It's just, it just, it really irks me that like her son's going to be scarred for life. Yeah. Like, he'll never get over that ever. Yeah, dude. So I got, I got an older brother and we make fun of him a lot. You do? <laughs> well, I make fun of him a lot. Fuck him. <laughs> and anyways, between me and him, we actually had another brother, and um, the the doctor had misdiagnosed my mom with a uh, medical condition that uh, caused him to be born um, like six to seven months premature. And mm-hmm. the year that he was born medically, it was around that time where, you know, like the doctor's you know, if the, if the baby couldn't survive within 24 hours, then he's not going to be strong enough to handle surgery, so we're not going to work on it. So that was kind of the mentality mm. in those days. Yeah. And he, you know, basically lived like five, ten minutes after birth. And, you know, for my mom, um, it was just something like, you know, I didn't know that I had another brother until I was like eight or nine because one Memorial Day. I was like, well, you know, who the hell is John Gillen Jr.? Because we went to the grave and dad's like, uh, yeah, we should talk about this and we should have this story. But like with my mom, she wanted nothing to do with it. Like it was, you're the man, you handle it, you take care of it. Um, I, yeah. I'm just, we're not talking about it. And that's, I mean, that's how it was. So, that's so sad. you know, yeah. I, it's for me, like burying it in the fucking freezer, like that's, you know, that's that's just that's not the proper way to do it. Like I get it. You but had like a lot of grief going on. From. 
but it's like it's just that's not the proper way to go about it's, it. Yeah, of course it's the proper way, but you could understand how that situation could come to arise. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I mean, look how bad it was for her to be she couldn't even be at the grave and like explain that to their other their other kid. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That it's gotta be rough, you know. But you know, like not not at all to poke fun at mental illness or, you know, um, Oh gosh, you know, hysteria. What if maybe something did happen and in a fit of panic, she did wrap it up and swaddle it and think, okay, I can't deal with it right now. Oh God, oh God, oh God. And she stuck it in the freezer, swaddled it and stuck it in the freezer and then convinced herself that it was a cake topper. That'd be, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but that's, that's a perfectly viable excuse. I think that'd be so insane. But then how, where where people would be like, well, where's the baby at? So she would have to be. She would have to know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, it could have been a home birth. You know, she's at home by herself, mm. popping both out. One one's not breathing, so she wraps the other one up, calls nine one one, and then. Right. I don't know. Lots, lots more to the story. You know that then we'll probably ever know. Because I mean, that's the worst part with his mother being gone. That's that's it, man. You know, I'm everybody's like, gonna be going to people's houses and checking in their freezer now. All right, mom and dad, if you're yeah. listening, uh, I need to go through your deep freeze right now. We're gonna need an and, inventory. Uh, line item that shit out. Oh my so god, no I can't even think about a deep me. freeze. Holy shit. Yep, that's where the dad is. <laughs> oh my god, Ooh, Mike, Mike cut that. That's part that Goonie shit, man. That's it's a stiff. <laughs> <laughs> or just a Santa Clarita diet, man. Shit. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard to top that shit, dude. Well, you guys good on time? I got a couple more. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, All right, cool. fire away. Okay, so the next story I'm gonna share is the tale of George Carl Tanzler, and a lot of people are familiar with it, but just as many people have never heard of it. Um, the story's kind of long, guys, so maybe pause real quick. Grab yourself something to drink. Maybe, you know, maybe you're just rolling up at the house now, so pause it. Go inside, get comfy. Hit play again. You know? Wait, I was like, are you talking to me? I mean, I got a drink, but I could maybe go for a snack. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I might go make one of them you know, chicken patties I was talking about earlier. No, the listeners go Okay, cool. Uh, and hopefully... You guys took my advice, and you're wearing earbuds for this one, because definitely this should not be played over the loudspeakers at work on your computer. So anyway, <laughs> this is the tale of Carl Tanzler and the Corpse Bride. Oh, more Tim Burton. <laughs> right, hey, it's coming around full circle. Shit, dude. Huh, damn. Eli Burton. So this dude named George Carl Tanzler was born back in 1877 on February 8th, in Dresden, Germany. He's an eclectic dude. He's real kooky. Uh, During his childhood, he had no interest in girls. He wanted to spend every moment of his waking life building gliders and planes. (laughs) (laughs) As an adult, this guy claims that he had over nine advanced degrees he had earned from colleges and universities in Germany, although nobody could ever really claim he had them. But he walks around with this air of being the smartest guy in the room. He says he's a genius. He even tells some people he's a doctor. <laughs> so he's just claiming he has all these degrees and he doesn't have any proof? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all we all know somebody like that, maybe. We had a guy in high school kind of yep, like yep. that. Yep, <laughs> yep. But, <laughs> but even furthermore, he also told people that he had his own coconut plantation 
off the equator. <laughs> and then people would, yeah, and when people would ask him, where the hell's your uh, your coconut grove at? And he's like, oh, you know, it's just off the coast, right around where Amelia Earhart went down. <laughs> I like the way this article's <laughs> written, because they're like, who the fuck says that yeah. as a of reference? <laughs> yeah. During World War One, Carl served in the in the German army as a member of the submarine division. He was taken to Australia as a prisoner of war in 1914, but there is some discrepancy here because there also is claimed that he was actually a citizen in Australia for a short period where he lived for about 15 years. <sighs> so when he was younger and later on in his adult life, he soon he started having paranormal or psychic events. He claimed that right around um, his, his early adult life, he had a vision where an ancestor visited him who had passed away in 1765. She was a countess and told him that she wanted to give him a vision of his future bride. So supposedly she provides him with, you know, an image of a woman, beautiful, olive colored skin, dark hair, just a real, just beautiful girl, most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his entire life. And she says, this is the spirit of your future bride. And you will be able to stay with her for seven days and seven nights. So he claims while he was in Australia, he lived with this apparition of this beautiful woman for a week. Upon the seventh day, she told him that she had to leave and he would find her later on in life. So he kind of goes off the rails here and pretty much vows that he's going to spend the rest of his life trying to find this woman. Gotta find her. In 19... Right. In 1920, at the age of 43, he married a woman named Doris Ann Schaefer, had two daughters with this woman, although she was not the girl of his dreams. Things are going okay, and then he realizes that, you know, this is not good enough for him, the man with nine degrees in a coconut plantation. So, damn it. In 1926, he abruptly leaves his home in Germany, abandons his wife and his two daughters, and he escapes to America where he has a sister in Zephyr Hills, Florida. What up, Joe? <laughs> right, what's up, Joe? So while in America, he changes the spelling of his name from K-A-R-L to C-A-R-L to Americanize his name. Now, oddly enough, his family does chase after him, and they find him, and they live in a neighboring town in Key West. So it kind of screwed up his, uh, you know, his plans, but I digress. Now, he gets a job at a hospital where he tries to convince everybody that he's a doctor. They go to look for his credentials. They can't find any, so they basically say, okay, listen here, guy, you do a pretty good job at what you do, so we're going to give you a job as a hospital attendant. So then, of course, he starts making his way up the ladder, and soon he learns radiology. While working at the Navy hospital, he bought a wrecked plane and began to rebuild the salvage. It was a beast of a plane that had tires that stood over five feet by themselves and were over a foot and a half thick. He claims the plane was for landing on water and he was going to be rebuilding it as a seaplane. So later on, he's in the radiology department. He's doing x-rays. He's doing blood samples. And in walks a woman more beautiful than any other woman he's ever seen. In walks the woman of his dreams. Her name was Elena. Unfortunately, Elena, coming in as one of his patients, had tuberculosis. Not only did she have TB, but she had what was called galloping TB, or hasty consumption. 
and she had to be taken to the hospital by her family for testing and also because of failed miscarriage from her husband. See, Elena was also married. So we can tell the love story is kind of doomed from the beginning here. Elena's family were poor Cuban-Americans. Her father worked at a cigar factory, and the mother was a housewife. So they were struggling to, you know, pay for her uh, hospital treatments. And all of a sudden, Carl's like, holy shit, this is her. This is how we meet. I have to help her. So upon meeting her, he can't stop sending... Uh, hang on a second. So upon meeting her, he starts to talk to the family and tells the family how he has all sorts of these great treatments that he's come up with while he's been working at the hospital. You know, he's a doctor, and he will single-handedly cure their daughter. So he didn't charge the family for any x-ray treatments, any radiation treatments, or anything else. Because that's right, guys. He is treating her with, quote, radiation treatments that he himself has created, thinking they would make her stronger and help her heal faster. Idiot. In rea- yeah, in reality, of course, you know. Just blowing smoke up her ass, man. He's just giving them false yeah, hope. Yeah, I mean, possibly. That might have been one of the treatments. <laughs> yeah, radiation, <laughs> radiation makes you weaker. So as part of her hospital visits, in between treatments, he'd take her out back and put her in his little seaplane, and they would chit-chat, and she'd get some sunshine, and he'd tell her these grandiose plans of how, you know, I can't wait till you're better, we're going to get married, I'm going to put you in this plane, and we're going to fly away to my coconut plantation and escape all of this, and this is going to be a life of luxury living on a tropical island. So he goes to her parents' house in these delusions of grandeur. He starts telling them how he needs, they need to quit smoking around her because it's bad for her health. It pissed her parents off because, you know, Cubans back then, smoking was part of their culture, so they would just sit there and, you know, just smoke cigars. Yeah, and he probably thought that was, was, that was like, right. totally against what they were doing. Or, like, yeah, you know, exactly. you're trying to change her from our culture, you know, that type of shit. He was a greasy <laughs> bastard, it seems like. Holy shit, right? So, unfortunately, she's got this death sentence above her head, and Carl also worries in the back of his mind that their time is limited. So he starts, you know, showering her with all sorts of gifts, furniture, jewelries, clothing, a giant radio, all sorts of just lavish gifts. And he continues to tell her, one day, once you're cured, we're going to get to my coconut plantation. So then he starts telling the family, you know, because they're just really not being able to afford anything right now. He tells the family, look, I'm going to start helping you guys out more because I've noticed you haven't been coming to the hospital as much because Elena's getting sicker and sicker. I'm going to do you guys a favor. I'm going to move into your house, (laughs) into her sister's room, and I'm going to start giving her at-home treatments. That's what they call it. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know... Unfortunately, things don't work out because he's just blasting her with unneeded radiation. The family starts to think he's a huge scam artist. And in the end, the family, you know, has been going behind his back toward the end of her life and seeing actual accredited doctors who have given her a death sentence and only been giving her pain medication to make her comfortable as she is dying. So one day he kicks open the front door and says, I... And the only one who can save her. And he begins doing these other in-home invasions, or, or treatments you might call them, with electricity. He's shocking her with electroshock therapy, including things he's doing with a Tesla coil that he put down her throat, electrocuting her tonsils. Jesus. Yeah. 
Now, unfortunately, due to all his, you know, um, good intentions, she still doesn't get better, and she dies. But upon her deathbed, Elena tells Carl, take care of my body after I'm dead, because I can't leave you anything else. So on Sunday, October 25th, 1931, Elena dies. And this is where shit gets freaky, because why else are we telling you the story? Hey, hold on real so quick, and you can cut this part out. I feel like I've heard this story before. This is not the guy that turned the corpse into the paper fuckable vagina thing, is it? <laughs> Go on. It might be. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I never knew the background of that story, Presto. So luckily I found a website that has a wonderfully typed up story. She also has tons of really great one-liners in here, but I have cut those out, you know, out of respect because I don't want to be credited with her awesome jokes. Yeah, so. they're fucking great. Yeah. So Carl took it upon himself to pay for the funeral. He selected her casket, which was, of course, extravagant, lined with, you know, rose-colored silk and other different things. Afterwards, he, visited her, uh, he visits her grave every single night. But then he realizes, shit, this water is real spongy. It's taking in a lot of moisture. And for all I know, her poor dead corpse is flooded inside of her casket and her body's getting all moldy and gross. So he decides, you know what? Maybe we should go ahead and build her a mausoleum. Or we should all be composted in the fucking earth so we can become part of the earth. That's, there you go. Yeah. Done. Do here, here. Give I second that. you a paper vagina and fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so he talks to the family and tells them, uh, you know, of his concerns. And they say, yeah, sure, whatever. You're going to pay for it. Do whatever you want. Just, you know, don't give her a paper vagina. So after the burial, he builds up the mausoleum. He has the body moved. And um, he continues to live with Elena's parents in her bedroom. <laughs> he moves into her bedroom and pays them $5 a month as rent. <laughs> like it's a Netflix because he claims, Yeah, because he claims that he can still feel her essence in the bedroom. And the pillow still smells like sweet, sweet creep. Oh my God. The pillow basically smells like her. So he had to get her, uh, hang on a second here. Okay. So they get her out of the ground they go to put her in the mausoleum and he has to get special permission from the family because she's been dead for six months. So of course, you know, she's, she's rotten. She's like the lady on the side of the road in the suitcase at this point. So as the, uh, as a funeral home worker, you know, takes the body out, he requests that he can redecorate her actual, uh, her casket. So he relines it, he adds more cushions, all this kind of stuff. He puts in new sheets, he puts in pillows, he peels off her rotting clothes, gives her new clothing, he sprays her down with perfume, and he also covers her in a layer of sterile cotton. Pretty much kind of beginning the process of mummification. Now, before per, uh, putting her in the mausoleum, which had uh, he had inscribed without her married name, he puts her into a different special coffin that has a metal exterior with custom-fitted inner coffin walls with valves. And the valves he can then use to pour in solutions that he has created to basically turn her coffin into a giant specimen jar and preserve her body so it won't decompose anymore. So for over a year and a half, he visits her grave every single night. He starts going cuckoo and swears he can hear Elena now talking to him through the valves. 
She sings to him. She has conversations with him. And she tells her that she's feeling much better, basically. Now, obviously, this guy turns into a hermit. He doesn't speak to anybody else and just spends his waking moments at her mausoleum. So, becoming utterly convinced that she's talking to him every night, on Christmas afternoon, he came to visit her and take pictures. He claimed that during this moment, he felt her hands placed upon his head and face. Elena began to sing Spanish love songs to Carl about a lover who opened up a grave of his dead fiance. He says he began to hear her telling him to remove her body so that he could better take care of it. He said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. That's kind of gross. But eventually he gave in. So she instructed him to wait till the new moon, where the sky would be its darkest, to put a blanket up over the fence so nobody could see, and to whisk her body away. So on the big night, he wore his favorite wedding suit, a big feather top hat, and he brought a small wagon with a handle, blankets, pillows, and some rope. Swag. <laughs> right. I would do anything for love, and I'm going to do that. Oh, gross. Just imagine like the queer okay. eye guys setting him up. Yes, honey, with that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that show's so fucking great. Damn. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so, and here's, here's the ace in the hole. He's the only one that has a key to the mausoleum. Uh, obviously. So he sneaks in. Yeah. He sneaks in that late night. He hangs out the blanket so nobody can see him. Opens up the mausoleum. And he puts, his, puts her body into his little red wagon. But not before... I'm sorry, and then takes her to his house, but not before he has to basically wrestle with this decomposing corpse covered in God knows what kind of solution he's been soaking her in. So basically what happens is you can imagine he's trying to hoist this slippery, you know. (laughs) She's a little moist. (laughs) Yeah, this buttery pickled corpse over this fucking fence and subsequently covers himself and not only the natural juices that she's been pickling in, but also the sweet, sweet marinade that he's made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wheels her to a nearby house that he's been renting for this occasion. The house doesn't have any running water, so instead he takes a makeshift shower in whiskey press. That's fucking metal as fuck. Hell yeah. He goes back to the rented room after he takes a whiskey shower, then notices he stanks, and he goes back to Elena's house later to visit her family and take a proper shower. <laughs> Why waste your time you know, he, with the whiskey? I guess he didn't well, I mean, all that juice is on him. Yeah, you know, it's the best thing you got. It's kind of like, you know, taking a bath and mouthwash. Yeah. <sighs> so he left her in the house for three days before coming back and transferring her remains via a taxi service to his airplane on the hospital grounds. By this point, she's now been dead for over two years. So you can imagine she's basically the crypt keeper at this point. And, uh, you know, despite his best intentions of keeping her alive, she is much, much dead. And also covered in a thick coating of slime and mold. And her eyes at this point have begun to rot and sink back into her skull. And her maggot, I'm sorry, her hair is covered in maggots. And with a deep voice, he said, I'm Buck. And I'm here to fuck. So he's walking around with this chick like this in a in a in an air airport area. 
Or I mean, basically, it's Weekend at Bernie's. It's just like the colonial prequel. <laughs> I guess not quite colonial, but it's 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 old timey. Oh man! So she's covered maggots and everything else. They're coming out of her ears and also holes in her chest. So at some point, he peels away her clothes. He he washes her thoroughly, applies more perfume. And then pulls out her rotting eyeballs and replaces them with glass ones. And then he uses splints around her nose to keep the shape kind of like a creepy Michael Jackson. And then uses wires to kind of help her, uh, you know, be maneuvered like a marionette. So he can wrap wires around her arms and kind of, you know, pose her in certain poses. And then, of course, her face now looks very much like the Crypt Keeper indeed, and so he begins to make several death masks to put over her face so she's not quite so ghastly like something out of the more scary stories books. At night, he says he would lay with her in her coffin and kiss her as if they were both still alive and very much in love. In 1934, Carl's 10-year-old daughter, Krista, died of diphtheria, and his estranged wife had finally gotten in touch with him via a letter, and then he just basically just said, oh, yeah, sorry about your bad luck, and uh, didn't send any money or any, you know, well wishes. A douche. Yeah, so months go by, and eventually the hospital that hired him um, had a new commander, and they ordered Carl to take his creepy-ass, broken-ass airplane and move it. So Elena's brother-in-law helped Carl tow the plane to a house that he rented nearby... Meanwhile, her rotting, creepy-ass mummy corpse is still inside the fucking airplane. So after the big move, Carl doesn't have to live with her parents anymore, and then uh, says, hey, I'm leaving, I'm no longer going to pay you rent, and guess what? Because I paid for her bed, I'm taking Elena's bed with me. So then in his new home, it's an oceanfront property, or sorry, waterfront property, and he uh, basically bought this area that used to be a butcher pen. So it's got tons of weird buildings, butcher pens, and, you know, a meat locker. He makes an uh, impromptu lab for this thing and starts doing different experiments on her body um, and also makes an incubation tank, which he puts her body in and fills it up with more of that similar picking, <laughs> pickling solution and then pickles her for 24 hours at a time. Oh, so they lived together for two years. They spent a Christmas together laughing and drinking wine, which basically equivalates to uh, Carl taking a big mouthful of wine, leaning over and spitting it into her dead corpse mouth. <laughs> and uh, after living for over two years together in this home on the waterfront, he noticed a construction crew was getting too close for comfort who had been sent to that area to clean it up. And so he puts her back into a plane and tows her to a new home which is basically more of a shed. But uh, he used that to house him, his corpse bride, and 13 dogs that he had accumulated that he used for uh, warning signs, an alarm system, and protection from people who might get too close. In 1935, Carl lost his job because the hospital did restructuring and came under new management, which he thought was a plus because he could just spend more time with his blushing new bride and wouldn't have to worry about leaving her for hours at a time to go to work. So he'd spend most of his time just shacked away with her in their little shed, and then once a month he'd go to the post office to get his paycheck from the German army. 
Unfortunately, though, whenever he moved, he was not able to take her incubation tank that he built for her. So at this point, she just lays there drying out in their bedroom where he sleeps with her every single night. So he could wake up, you know, once in a while and flick away the crickets and the bugs that are crawling through her hair. Meanwhile, he still says she's singing to him, carrying on full conversations, and they're living just a happy, you know, wedded, blissful life. During this time, her body went from weighing 90 pounds down to 40 pounds. And uh, he didn't really care. You know what? He didn't, didn't mind the sudden weight loss. He thought he was still the, she was still the beauty, most beautiful person he had ever met. Uh, 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 uh. And then by 1940, Elena's only surviving family member at that time was her sister, Nana. Now, the rest of her family had died because of tuberculosis. Nana or Nana was still alive, but actually had TB as well, but began to hear rumors that Elena was not in the mausoleum where she was supposed to be. She was actually being, you know, harvinged inside his house. So she demands one day that he comes to the cemetery and unlock the mausoleum so she can see for herself that everybody's lying because there's no way Carl's going to be this creepy German guy who's been, you know, sleeping with a uh, corpse. And Carl refuses and says, listen, she, she's in the mausoleum. Don't you worry about it. Then he invites her over for tea one day where she sits down and he pulls back a curtain that hides the bedroom that he shares with her corpse. And when the curtain goes back, she sees Elena's body in a silk dress covered in jewelry laying in the bed. Yeah, I would do anything for love. <laughs> right? So she looks at it and does her very best impression of Jodie Foster in the fucking Hannibal Lecter uh, Sounds of the Lambs and just kind of says, oh, that's, uh, that's, that's nice. That's great. Okay, well, listen, I got to go. Look at the time. She disappears. She calls the cops, or basically back then probably went to the police station, and said, holy shit, my brother-in-law has my, my sister's corpse in his bed. God knows what he's doing with her. So police show up later that day, and they arrest Carl, who at this point is now 70 years old, and they charge him with being in possession of a dead body and maliciously demolishing and disfiguring a grave. Elena's body was then taken to a funeral home where instead of burying it like they should, because we're all freaks, they put her corpse on display where over 5,000 people were able to look at her worldwide. Any pictures? Yeah, there's pictures uh, there, yeah, buddy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I see yeah there's, there's a block of uh, two pictures across, basically four photos of her corpse, the glass eyeballs. Uh, her corpse on display, and then her actual photo of her from when she was alive. So, <sighs> yeah, we're almost done here, guys. What's crazy is the fact that during this court case, it was prolific. Everybody in Florida knew about it. People were showing up, and even the lawyer that represented him offered to do it for pro bono. People came, you know, in hordes to visit him in jail. The jail became more of a tourist attraction, and they actually had to put him out on the front lawn during the day so the people coming to visit could just visit him freely. People were coming by giving him gifts, giving him money, because they all said that basically it was one of the most romantic things they had ever heard, his devotion to his sweet, sweet dead bride. So insane. 
So Nana testifies saying that seeing her sister for the first time in that, you know, in that house after so many years ruined her. It was the most disgusting thing she ever saw and quote, it would haunt it for the haunt me for the rest of my life. She wanted to know if Carl had sex with her sister's body. And Carl stands up abruptly and says, no, your honor, I did not. Then he proceeded to mumble. She was mummified, so basically her vaginal region was also mummified, so, you know, we couldn't really do the deed. So Carl presents his testimony explaining the visions he had of an ancestor, showing him the most beautiful woman, blah, blah, so on and so forth. And so the judge granted him um, basically uh, psychiatric evaluations, and of course he was deemed sane, and so he was let go. Yeah, because a two-year statute for disturbing a grave had expired because he had removed her body seven years before. So technically, it had been five years since the statute ran out. That's insane. Yeah, Nana was furious, but at least she would have some solace in her sister's reburial. Elena's body was dismembered and placed in an 18-inch cube box for burial. No one ever revealed her new whereabouts in her new grave. That way, grave diggers would keep their mouths shut and Carl wouldn't find some creepy way to dig her back up. He probably fantasized about this, it. Oh, I'm sure he did, man. After all of this, Carl's uh, publicity became a household story. He charged 25 cents a person to view his lab, which he still had remnants of to show people. Uh, he bought a pipe organ, would begin, uh, would begin to play music for people as they would come visit, you know, his makeshift lab, and started getting more letters and visitors from around the world. He appreciated the support, but he didn't like the attention, and eventually he moved to Zephyr Hills, Florida to be with his sister. His wife and remaining daughter still lived there as well, and he left the Key West behind for good. Before he left, he delivered one final farewell present to Elena's empty mausoleum. He planted a bomb. What the hell? He built a yeah. He built a bomb with a delayed detonation key, and twenty four after, <laughs> twenty four hours after he left the bomb, it exploded at one forty a.m. And police could never tie him to the explosion because he was far enough away in that twenty four hours they could not prove he was there. Now, supposedly, he started writing a book about his life while he was there, and he began painting watercolor scenes to tell the world the story of his true love. Yeah. Um, He missed her very, very much, apparently. So um, now, through all this, the FBI is like, yeah, you're a pervert and a necrophiliac, and we're hot on the tail of World War II here. You've got a fucking plane. God knows what you're going to do, so... You can keep your creepy-ass little plane, but we're going to take the wheels off of it so your weird ass doesn't get any ideas to fly away. As an epilogue to this tale of weirdness, number one, Carl died at the age of 76 years old. His plane was taken and put out on, you know, show in the middle of the town where kids could play on it as a playground. (laughs) The story is so crazy to feel it was true. I mean, that'd be such a weird-ass playground, but I'd totally love to go to the the mummy plane. Yeah, that'd be creepy. (laughs) And then, guys, let's let's put a pin in this with this final thought. In 1972, the doctor who performed the autopsy on Elena spoke out publicly for the first time. 
he said that in the obvious place he touched first, her breasts, for as dead and de uh, decomposed as she was, her breasts felt really real. Whatever he had done to spruce those things up basically made them feel almost like brand new warm breasts. Then after he went for the boobies, he examined the vaginal area where Preston, he discovered a tube had been inserted that would have been just wide enough for sexual intercourse. Yes, I knew it. This is the paper vagina story because <laughs> as he was like, the first couple of times he was like fucking it, he was just like, you know, she's like laying there, she's stiff. And like, mm. remember how you said that he gave her some type of electrical shock therapy as far as like yeah. the tuberculosis? He actually somewhere had, had admitted that like he caught the paper vagina on fire a couple times because he tried to hook up yeah. electricity to it to get the body yep. like twerking and jerking so it felt like real sex. I knew mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yep. He put some kind of makeshift paper mache tube inside her vaginal canal so he could indeed do the deed. And at the bottom of the shaft of the tube, there was cotton which had been covered and or soaked in human semen. Jesus. So he did indeed have sex with her dead corpse. So, yeah, there you go. Now, credit where credit is due, guys. I got this story off of PanicAmongUs.com. I, I believe it might be a fellow podcast here. Um, and finally, the age-old question presented by Meatloaf. I would do anything for love but I won't do that. This guy <laughs> right. did it. He may have done that. <laughs> yep, I agree. I agree. Yes, this uh, this was written up by a, uh, a girl named Jess from PanicAmongUs.com. So yeah, I uh, I didn't know it was a podcast before I started reading that huge story, so I want to give her credit because normally I wouldn't, you know, jock off another podcast story. But uh, yeah, she did a great job. Well written, well done. So Hell yeah. Yeah, there we go, folks. We shouldn't... Or we oughtn't not play with dead things. Very true. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, I do know it's been long enough. Guys, what do you want to plug? Let's get out of here. Cool. Check out our Instagram, PXL Paranormal. Check out our, um, what do you call it, um, Facebook. Same thing, Pixelite Paranormal. Mm -hmm. Join us on there. Like the page, whatever you want. And Instagram's always popping off. And... Yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Shout out to all the listeners out there, and oh, yeah, make, all the new Instagram followers. Yeah. And our friend Cody is just blowing through these episodes, and hopefully, we don't cause him to be spooked and get in a wreck. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Cody shared a story with me that I actually forgot from our childhood, so I'll uh, I'll share that on a on a future episode, buddy, and uh, maybe get you on here sometime to tell some more stories. That'd be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. I want to give a big shout out to friend and listener and friend of the podcast, uh, Mindy. Mindy sent us a really badass oh, you uh, finally gift. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. She sent us a gift to the podcast. And uh, unfortunately, because we don't all record in one place, I think this is going to end up being the brotherhood of the traveling pint glass. Yeah. Like the Shiva. But she's on. Uh, What's it's that? like the Shiva on the league. Like this like, trophy <laughs> yeah. that just keeps being passed around. <laughs> right. Yeah, Mindy got us this really badass pint glass from Cognitive Surplus, and it is called The Beards of Science, The Brightest Minds with the Best Beards. And it is a fantastic pint glass with illustrations of all the scientists here that have had beards. It's got Nobel, Alexander Murray, Herbert Spencer, 
It's got a Darwin and tons more. This thing's fantastic. You're the coolest. Thank you so, so much. Mm-hmm. I'm actually drinking a uh, barrel-aged reserved dragon's milk with raspberries and hibiscus. Oh, my fucking God. That's a stout for all you uh, non-beard drinkers out of there. Yeah. She's Damn, I really feel like I'm underdoing it because I, I drank my uh, last uh, uh, sequenced ale, and all I have yeah. left in the fridge is uh, Milwaukee's Best. So drinking that straight out of the can, boys. Boy, that's the only way to drink it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, woo. Hell yeah. Yeah, thanks, Mindy. We really appreciate it's it. It's pretty awesome. dope. When she showed it to me, I was like, yeah. oh, shit, she, she's going to love that. Yeah, it's pretty badass. We like it. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll finish this one off, Preston. I'll, I'll pass it off next time I see ya. Ooh, no. Yeah, kind of like you were just giving the stickers, and I had to give them three today. Bitch, I ordered my own stickers. Preston can order his own stickers? Yeah, you know what, Steve? Good looking out. You know what? Fuck you, Sean. Steve, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go ahead and give you a big fuck you, Sean, to the guy who actually messaged Preston to see if Steven wanted help to move a fucking couch and a truck. Yeah. <laughs> so I got, I was looking at his car and he's got these things, he's got the Fallout stickers, a couple of their stickers, and I was like, I was like, wait, why don't you have Pixel Paranormal on the back of your, on the sticker of this truck? Yep. He's like, oh, Sean never got me any. Jesus, get your own. <laughs> I was like, here you go, dude. <laughs> no, I thought you ordered some, Presto, or else I would have given you some. No, no, I never got around to it. I've also got that badass Chupacabra patch for you to put on your vest. Remember, remember when I gave you that uh, that Mason pin the other day, and I'm like, there was something else I was supposed to give you, and you were like, I can't think of what it is. <laughs> yep, came home, and right next to the pin was a Chupacabra patch. So. Goddamn right. Yeah, I'll get that to you one of these days soon. So cool, hell yeah! Well, guys, uh, check out our friend Mark, the guy who does all the work behind the scenes. Check out Mark's solo cast, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his YouTube channel, Attack the Backlog, and then also um, on the show notes in iTunes, and we will start kind of maybe linking these as well. First of all, a preface: we shall never have we, nor shall we ever have custom content that you can only get through Patreon. We've swore from the very beginning we will never have anything you have to pay to get. You will always get our content for free. But with that being said, we do have a Patreon through Pixelated Sausage Network. If you ever wish to contribute, you can. If you don't want to, it's great. We still love you. You are the coolest. No pressure. Don't feel bad if you can't. But we might start tacking on that a little bit here and there. That way, you know, if anybody wanted to throw a couple shillings at it, they could. You will not get anything for it. You will never get bonus episodes. You will never get anything so much as a sticker for donating. All our content will always be free. But uh, if you want, we're going to start linking that Patreon. If you want to check it out, great. If not, no worries. We still love you anyway. Word up. Mm-hmm. Presto, yeah. what do you got, buddy? Well, you know, normally what I try to do is I try to tie in the topic of the episode to my plug for Big Dobbs, and I I, I can't do it tonight. This this episode was just too fucking dark and too fucking deep that, I mean, you know what? If you need a beard, if if you you want want a beard that makes you a dirty corpse fucker. Yeah, you know what? If you want a beard that would make you say, I'd fuck me. Check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And check out scents such as Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh, Mint, Citrus, Dundee Cedar, and Classic where it all began. Get beard oils, get a fucking comb, get it all, get it from Dobbs. He's the man. And look out for the new scent coming soon, Fresh Corpse. 
<laughs> no, gross. <laughs> Embalming fluid. <laughs> Mausoleum. Dobbs like you're tainting oh, yeah. my product. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, and check out our buddies over at Gunslinger Soap as well. Gunslingersoap.com. Check out their soap. Uh, I think that uh, that just about does it, right, For guys? Sure. Yeah. Can't think of anything else we're leaving out here. It's been a long episode, and that was kind of impromptu. I'm going to give that a little light edit so you may catch some flubs in there. But hey, you know what? That's how the sausage gets made sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Again, uh, hopefully we did not offend anybody, but uh, yeah. That's 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 the way the news goes. That's the way the cookie crumble, man. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and 